Nintendo Podcast, the official Nintendo Podcast of GoombaStop.com. I'm your host, Cameron Daxon. Joining us, we have games editor, Mark Kalaroff. I really wish we waited a little longer on Pokemon, because I just finished it today, and the ending is better than the entire rest of the game, but you'll have to hear my thoughts in a review, unless we talk about it again on the show. <laughs> Mark, jumping right in with the uh, with the Pokemon uh, knowledge drops. Uh, also with us is indie games editor Campbell Gill. And I can't believe we waited this long to talk about a certain blue hedgehog as well. <laughs> uh, that is truly the more pressing issue. But uh, <laughs> perhaps most pressing of all, uh, this afternoon, uh, be Tuesday at the time of recording here, Nintendo dropped another trailer for the upcoming Super Mario Brothers movie. It was introduced by uh, Shigeru Miyamoto himself. Uh, we had brief interviews with Ani Taylor-Joy as well as Seth Rogen introducing their characters. Uh, and then we got to view a delightful second trailer. Uh, gentlemen, your thoughts? It's good. It's very good. <laughs> Just like the first one. There's our right, it's good. Uh, really good. Chris I, Pratt I, still I, doesn't sound Italian, but other than that, it's good. I was. I think he's fine. Uh, he's fine. I, fine. Listen, guys, no one wants Mario to sound Italian. No one cares about that. Uh, <laughs> like, truthfully. Uh, he's a plumber again, though. And his, he is a player, their, his van, their, what is it, not their club, their organization, their business, that's the word I was looking for, <laughs> is yes. called uh, the, Super Mario Brothers. That's the what their cult, business the is called. The cult of Super Mario, basically. Yeah, they're, uh, yeah, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're cult. Um, I actually, I thought, this trailer, I thought this trailer was great. We got to see a little bit of Princess Peach. Mm-hmm. Uh, wielding a halberd? Uh, let's, <laughs> excuse me? Um... We got to see. We got to hear a little bit of Charlie Day's Luigi, which was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, interestingly, Seth Rogen, though he did didn't even talk, didn't even talk. <laughs> right? I don't think he said a word. He kind of gets some growls and grunts, but I didn't hear Donkey Kong say a single word in this trailer. Um, some fun throwbacks to Mario games. It kind of reminded me of the Castlevania Netflix show, and and that there were scenes that were like, oh, this they ripped this directly from a game. Like there was some two D stuff. Uh, Freaking Mario Kart is in this movie. <laughs> That um, was amazing. <laughs> that was great when they when the Rainbow Road happened. I, I Kitty Kong and Cranky Kong. Cranky Kong wearing like an Aztec little crown or mm-hmm. something. That was Cranky Kong is here. Crazy. If that's Cranky Kong, we don't know because there's also like a million apes in that arena. So this is true. Yeah. We can't we can't presume uh, too <laughs> we can't presume too too strongly here. And uh, this is an origin yeah. story, so you know. Seth Rogen it, could be Cranky Kong in the next film, which would be even more fitting oh than Donkey God, Kong. That would be such a deep cut <laughs> oh, reference. Um, but yeah, th- listen, this this movie continues to look better and better. Um, I, I like that they showed a little more of the action in this short trailer, um, and just it, it really seems like Illumination is. Uh, I mean, we talked about this the last time we talked about the, the previous trailer, but it really does seem like Illumination is like pulling out all the stops to make this one of their most uh, beautiful looking movies. Uh, maybe ever like it looks really really good uh the action looks fun um 
yeah, listen, I'm, I, I've gone from being like, this movie's going to be terrible, to like, I'm genuinely excited for this movie. Um, it comes out two days before my birthday, if they stick to the, the release date in April, so I, it'll mm-hmm. be like a little birthday present to me. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to Super Mario Brothers, the movie, or whatever it's called, the Super Mario Brothers movie, whatever it's called. Um, this continues to look better and better. That said, I... I like don't want to see any more trailers <laughs> at this point. Like I'm good. They sold me. I don't mm-hmm. want to see any more. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where you guys land on the on the trailer spectrum, but I, I think it's kind of fun to go into a movie as, as cold as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was kind of the like I, I, saw, I recently saw the, the the new Black Panther movie, and and I'd seen the trailer so many times that I was just <laughs> kind of like, oh, yep, there's that moment from the trailer. Um, so I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm hoping that we obviously this movie's going to get like insane media saturation so I imagine we're going to see a lot of Mario trailers on Hulu and you know whatever you it's know. interesting that every trailer so far has been a Nintendo Direct and I think Nintendo is going to yeah. try this strategy and it, I have a feeling it's going to work because Nintendo Directs always bring in the viewers so. exactly. it shows mm. that Nintendo is really committed to the project and mm-hmm. doing what they can on their side to get their audience excited about it meanwhile Illumination and whatever distribution companies are working with the actual production of the movie they're going to do their traditional marketing strategies to get more general audience moviegoers interested yeah in well it's it's uh, it's universal. It's a universal, okay, universal. joint. Good, good. Um, so, like, because uh, they're gonna have the Super Mario Brothers, you know, the theme park. Oh um, yeah. yeah, which is thing. I don't know. I, I can't remember if that's already out or done or finished. I In Japan, Japan, it is. Yeah. The Japan. One I is think open. it's coming still... to America next year. It is. Yeah. Yes. I, they're building it right now. It's yes. it's actually down the street from uh, from where I used to work. Um, like I'm very. I imagine they're going to try to like coincide the re- you know they're going to try to do some kind of cross promotional thing. Oh, absolutely. Point. You know what I mean? Yeah, hundred percent. Um, yeah. Um, so I, I imagine that'll do a lot of the legwork in terms of uh, you know marketing. <laughs> um, but uh, but but yeah, you have to imagine this movie's going to be uh, like a huge freaking deal. Um, I would hope so because we said the same thing about Detective Pikachu years ago when that came out, and that wasn't uh, a huge hit. It did it did a good amount, but it didn't justify enough for them to like make a sequel or anything. Yeah, I don't know okay. if you guys knew that. It's not actually happening. Oh, to Detective Pikachu? Interesting. I didn't Interesting. know that. I, I suppose that's fair because Detective Pikachu did come out in a pre-Sonic movie world, right? Where mm-hmm. video game movies just didn't make a lot of money, didn't get a lot of good reviews. So it was an okay movie, and I think it grossed really well for yeah, a movie like at the time. Yeah, it did like million or something yeah, like but that. But then we had Sonic movie, it just show, you know, how much better a game movie can do. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't I think it's problems. also, you know, it's like a case by case where the Pokemon company, you know, I mean, look at Scarlet and Violet. They just sold ten million in three days. It's like they is the investment need a movie. Yeah. yeah the investment it? was big for that thing and the you know, the return probably wasn't what they hoped, even though it was good. So I imagine that uh played a factor into it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's it's Campbell. Campbell, that's a great point that you bring up. It's like the the Sonic paradigm uh, has has certainly changed everything in terms of video game movies. Um, that said, I am part of the problem. I actually never saw Detective Pikachu, so you're not really missing too much, honestly. Oh, fair enough. I actually really like that movie. Yeah, I heard. I, heard I think that's good. the best video game movie, actually. I, yeah. I think I think it's Sonic personally, the first Sonic movie. 
but the uh, first Sonic and the yeah. second one are good, but uh, I don't know. Detective Pikachu, the act, not the acting, I should say. The acting was the you know kind of hit or miss with Justice Smith and all them, but the the animation, I think that's going to mm. be you know either you know from Detective Pikachu to Mario, Nintendo's big striving point where their animation department is just gonna flourish from this because they always get to go crazy with art in their big projects and it seems like this is the same scenario yeah well uh i mean all that to say um good trailer um (laughs) (laughs) i guess we'll uh we'll move on to our next topic speaking of uh campbell thinking that sonic is the best movie sonic frontiers Perhaps the best Sonic game in recent memory. Um, Not just perhaps, like pretty much certainly, to me at least. Yeah. But anyway, we'll talk about so it. So we, we should, okay, we got to put a little context around this conversation because, listen, fans of the show know that every time there's been a new Sonic trailer or a new Sonic Frontiers update, we have taken every opportunity to trash this game. Uh, <laughs> so the game finally came out. The same week as God of War Ragnarok. It was the same day or the same week? Same, same week, week, I think. Same yeah. week as God of War Ragnarok and was instantly overshadowed by that game. Uh, but in the fa- in the eyes of, of you know, Sonic game fans, uh, Sonic Frontiers is, is like kind of lighting a fire under people. It's uh, it's it's a it's a truly it's it's a mesmerizing experience. I think, uh, Campbell, we, we have to clarify Neither of us have experienced the Switch version of this game. That is correct, yeah. Uh, we both play this game on the PlayStation 5, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, th- listen, <laughs> not to say that there's still not plenty of technical issues with the game, because <laughs> there are. Well, yeah. But I, I think it's worth mentioning that um, like, I- I- the game could very well be a trash fire on the Switch. I, like, I, I truly have no idea. Um, I, 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 like, I, I don't have any more to say about that. But I think we should still talk about... like like, removed from the fact that we didn't play it on a Nintendo console, I think we could still talk about, like, the structure of this game and, and kind of what it's doing differently and why it works so well. Um, mm-hmm. Campbell, you want to kick us off here? Absolutely, because I think the best way to introduce my thoughts on Sonic Frontiers is just to harken back to the wise words of Reggie fils and just say this. The game is fun, and if it's not fun, why bother? There are a lot of problems with Sonic Frontiers. We've talked about the problems that we've seen in trailers before. Now that I've spent a few, do- like, uh, 15 hours playing the game, I've encountered a lot of issues, some jank, some things that are really strange in the structure of the game. But at the end of the day, it is fun. And it's the most fun I think I've ever had in a 3D Sonic game. As I'm playing it, it just feels like euphoria, honestly, because I've just never expected to just have so much pure fun playing a 3D Sonic game, because up to this point, 3D Sonic games, ever since Sonic Adventure, have suffered from, I would say, like, three main categories of issues. Either they're completely broken, like Sonic 06 or Colors Ultimate Edition or Sonic Boom, they're brilliant, but also brilliantly flawed. There's things like Sonic Unleashed, which the, the boost levels are amazing, but the Werehog levels are just a drag on the whole experience. Or they're straight up boring. I'm looking at Sonic, uh, Sonic Forces right now. It's a boring, mediocre game. Sonic Frontiers is the first game, the first 3D game in the series, to me at least, that doesn't fall into those pitfalls. Instead, it just fulfills what I would call the promise of 3D Sonic. It's the first game where you get to really just be free 
in an open world, you get to zip around at high speed, explore these massive environments as the first open zone Sonic game. It lets you go wild with all the movesets, all the speed, the craziness that you would expect from Sonic. The levels are just really designed around taking advantage of Sonic's speed. It's a game where it feels good to move around. I think that's the most important thing about it. It has, places a heavy focus on exploration. You get dropped into a few big open areas and it does ask you to run around, collect items, talk to characters, move the story along, and it just feels good to get from point A to point B. There are so many different intricacies and things we can get into later with the gameplay, but just that core gameplay loop, even if there are issues with, you know, technical issues like you alluded to earlier, Cameron, there are some structural issues with a lot of the mini games, I'd say, but the core gameplay loop is the best that we've ever had for a 3D Sonic game. And it's just, it's the first time I felt truly optimistic about Sonic in a while. And I think that's, that's the most important thing here. So those are my overarching thoughts. I am just elated about this game so far. Yeah, I, uh, I'm right there with you. I, listen, I've, it's funny. I've not played most of the games that you mentioned. Um, <laughs> no, truthfully, I've, that, I've that's uh, okay, Cameron, my, that's okay. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. That's always kind of the vibe I've gotten is like, eh, like, unless you're a diehard Sonic person, you can probably skip most of those games. The last, like, truly great experience I had with Sonic was Sonic Generations mm -hmm. um, from a few years ago, which is a fantastic game. Yeah, um, I, I dipped into uh, Sonic Mania. We've, we've talked about this on the show. I, Sonic Mania is not, not super for me. 2D Sonic is, is something I've never understood. Um, I, nice. I, I'm, I'm dumb. I don't get it. Um, but I, I, I'm pretty much with you that this game against all odds does exactly what you've described in terms of like meeting the expectation of, okay, what could a 3d Sonic game be? What could a 3d Sonic game look and feel like? And this one, like it, it does that. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of shocking. Um, how do you feel about the skill tree? How do you feel about <laughs> the <laughs> the kind of the light RPG elements? Like, what, does that land for you? Are you just kind of you kind of roll your eyes at it? Like, what what are your thoughts on you that? You know, surprisingly, it really lands for me, which mm. I did not expect at all going into it. I think I specifically mocked that element of the game when we were talking about its previous trailers on the show. But now that I've actually played it, it feels like a worthwhile element to add into the standard gameplay loop now that I've just been playing through the game. It adds a level of complexity to it, and it makes combat encounters more interesting. And all the little mini-bosses... Um, the mini-bosses at first felt like a bit of a drag to me because they're these giant enemies that are kind of like HP sponges or damage sponges, right? They yeah. have a lot of HP, and when you start out, you're just punching them. Maybe you use a homing attack on them. Uh, it takes a long time to take them down. But then the more you play the game, the more skill points you get. You unlock these, like, weirdly DMC-like combos <laughs> to the point where it feels like you're playing the straight-up action game, which is not something I would ever really want in a Sonic game traditionally. 
like, I think this really works for the kind of game that Sonic Frontiers is. If this were a boost game, right, if this were the daytime levels in Sonic Unleashed, you know, you would not need a skill tree. You don't need those combat, those combos, right. or anything like that, because you're just zipping through these relatively linear levels. But now that you have more moment-to-moment -moment combat encounters, you have more emergent moments in the gameplay as you're just moving around the world, I think that the skill tree adds a purpose to each combat encounter, um, each little uh, collectible you find where you get skill points or if you're dashing up in the air and you can do little moves as you're flying down and you earn skill points that way. It just adds another element to the gameplay that makes it more interesting to me. So I'm all for it so far. Yeah, it's uh, it pretty much, uh, pretty much works for me, I think. Um, it's very funny to me that you can level up Sonic's speed. Yeah, like that's like like that's like the one thing where I'm like, mm, my boy should just be fast. But uh, mm -hmm. like he's already just, yeah. fast, and you can make him even faster, which is just sort of funny to it's me. It's really strange. I also really that's like my biggest gripe with the game right now. How they handle upgrades is like needlessly tedious to me because uh, yeah. it's not like you can just level up your speed to be like i want i have so okay so to back up a bit you level up your speed and your ring capacity by collecting cocos which are basically this game's version of korok seeds whoa whoa yeah. whoa a coco and a korok are completely different <laughs> yeah things, they're just Campbell. little woodland creatures hidden around the world that you need to collect in exchange for upgrades completely are there 900 of them I don't even know how many there are in this game. Uh, Mark, man. honestly, I, I think there's... I, I want to say there's, like, a limitless amount of them. I, yeah, because it's not like there's a puzzle that you have to do to find each one of them. Um, instead, it's more like they're just scattered around the area. They You can just find them lying kind, around. Kind of indiscriminately, to be mm -hmm. honest. Like, it, it really does feel like they... Um, like I, I really uh, like I was kind of joking when I said it, but I actually mean it. I I, I think they are a, a limitless amount of, of of cocos to find. Like I yeah. think they just populate like when the game feels like you need them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Gotcha. Um, yeah. I think exactly. I think I could be I could be mistaken. Yeah, about I'm that. pretty I sure any... I don't know for certain if that's how it works, but just from playing the game, I'm pretty sure that is how it works. So I'm whatever. guessing they're not satisfying to collect. They're well, I wouldn't call them unsatisfying. I think they're just another collectible. And it's gotcha, nice yeah. to be like, oh, I hear this little Coco squealing and crying over there. I better pick him up and sell him to this old Coco over here so I can get an upgrade. And that's yeah. how it works. You collect Cocos, and then you go to the Elder Coco, and I think it's a Hermit Coco as well. Uh, and you exchange your Cocos for upgrades. And you, unfortunately, it's not like you say, hey, I've got... 200 cocos i want to put 150 of them towards my speed and i level up you know five levels and i want to put 50 of them towards my ring capacity and i level up two levels you have to level up each stat individually one at a time and it doesn't tell you how many cocos you have while you're talking to that coco either and it doesn't tell you yeah. how many you need in order to reach a given level so it means you talk to him and he says hey do you want to upgrade your speed or your ring capacity i say speed he says, great, there's a little animation. And he says, what do you want now? I want to upgrade my speed again. Great. Same animation <laughs> okay, place. Yeah, it's what do you want to do now? I want to upgrade my ring capacity. Great. And so on and so forth. And it's ridiculous. And you don't know how many Cocos you have and how many levels you're going to level up when you talk to the guy. So you can sit there for an absurdly long amount of time just leveling up. And it's needlessly tedious. 
the way that works. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. no way to just drop them all at once. No. N- not no. for speed or ring capacity. Exactly. Um, if you want to, if you want to upgrade his, uh, what is it? His health or his defense or something? Yeah. It's a, a attack and defense, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Are, there, you are those like attack, on a separate menu? Those are <laughs> those are separate collectibles. So you use Coco's for your speed and ring capacity, and you use I don't remember what the name of them are. I think they're, they're seeds. Just red. Red, red orbs and blue, and blue orbs. Yeah, like, red and blue <laughs> orbs you give to another Coco, and then he'll just upgrade your speed or your attack and your defense gotcha. by however many orbs you have. Which it's weird that it works like that for your attack and your defense, but not for your speed and ring capacity. So it's weirdly inconsistent there. But that's just kind of a... I would call it just an annoyance. It's not like a game-breaking... No, it's it's b- like by, by no <laughs> means is it a, a game-breaking thing. Uh, Mark, uh, you asking that question uh, actually just made me uh, uh, wonder something. Uh, how much do you actually know about the structure of this game? Uh, not much. I know it's more like open zone than like, you know, open world, yeah, per right. se. So it's more so, so like Super Mario Odyssey, where you just like jump between the different islands. Yeah, I, I would I would liken it a lot to Super Mario Odyssey, to be honest. If we're if we're going to compare it to another Nintendo game, um, so do you know how you get into the like traditional Sonic levels? Are they through like the cyberspace levels? The cyberspace. Are they just levels? like regular levels you just walk up to, or like pretty much? Uh, so so basically, how the game works is that there's um on every island. So the game is divided into what is it, Campbell? Four or five islands? It's five islands in total. Five islands in total. So the game is divided up in these five like very large islands, and on every island are these uh, basically like hubs, um where you uh, they're basically like big uh, not towers. What's the word I'm looking they're, for? They're like shrines. Shrines. Like okay, shrines so yeah, we'll, we'll call them shrines uh, just for the sake of convenience. There's these shrines that you can walk up to, and you and you you know you you walk up to a shrine, and those are your traditional Sonic levels. Some of them are kind of boost style levels that are kind of in pseudo 3D, and others are straight up 2D Sonic levels. Um, so you have this great big overworld. That's where you're running around in the open zone. You're collecting collectibles. You're talking to NPCs. All this crazy stuff. Then you walk up to a shrine. And then it's like, takes you to a separate Sonic level. So like within the overworld are traditional Sonic levels, if that makes sense. Um, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which to me are are, I mean, again, I don't I don't like super get like the the appeal of the Sonic level. Um, I, I enjoy Generations, and this game feels a lot to me like Sonic Generations. Like all the levels in Sonic Frontiers are very reminiscent to me of, of the levels in Sonic Generations. Massively so, yeah. Yeah, so, um, which, uh, which, I don't know, some people can kind of take or leave how much this game is, like, I, I don't know. Uh, Campbell, you've played more Sonic games, so you perhaps can speak more, more honestly to this. Mm-hmm. Do you feel as though Sonic Frontiers is um, just kind of riffing off of old hits? Do you feel like it's original <laughs> left for you? Like, where, where do you land on that spectrum? Oh, yeah, this is something I definitely want to talk about because that, to me, is one of the game's greatest strengths because for the past few, uh, bear with me, generations of Sonic mm-hmm. games, it's felt like <laughs> Sonic has just been holding on desperately to nostalgia and being like, guys, remember when Sonic was good? 
Look, we're making Sonic Mania. This is nostalgia. It's based off the Genesis games. Isn't this great? Look, we've got chaos in Sonic Forces. Look, we've got, you know, all these different... We've got so many different versions of Green Hill Zone. Classic Sonic is here. Wasn't Sonic great? And because Sonic was great in the past, now these games will be great too. And it's just been empty and cheap. <laughs> and it's gotten to the point where it's like, no, I don't want classic Sonic in my 3D Sonic game anymore. Just give me a modern Sonic game. Yes, there's plenty to love and celebrate in classic Sonic, but I don't want I don't want Sonic to continue leaning on that as a crutch. And that's what it's mm -hmm. felt like for the past few games. Not really having original ideas for each game, but rather just being like, hey, look at this old idea. Look at this. It's Greensill Hill Zone again. Have fun. What you have with Sonic Frontiers instead is it feels like it's not just calling back to classic games, but it's actually integrating with them. It's placing itself more into the wider Sonic lore, honestly. And this gets a bit more into the story of the game, which I definitely want to talk about, too, because the storytelling is so interesting from a wider series perspective. But what it does, especially with those cyberspace levels, is it does call back to the settings of previous games. Each cyberspace level is based off of a previous uh, Sonic environment like Green Hill Zone or Sky Sanctuary or something like that. But the level designs are completely original and it's not like you're controlling classic Sonic. You're still the same modern Sonic. You're going into this other world called cyberspace and the big... Uh, arc of the game revolves around the interactions between the real world and cyberspace, right? So there's this divide between the brand new open world Sonic or open zone Sonic and then these traditional Sonic levels that are riffing off of the classic games but meaningfully adding on to those, right? It's not just your same old 2D Sonic levels. It's not like the 2D levels from Sonic Generations, right? These are built off of modern Sonic mechanics. You know, you can use the boost ability, you can use the homing attack, all that kind of stuff, and they feel truly unique. So that's what I really appreciate about this game is that it's not doing a Sonic Forces kind of thing where it's desperately, you know, holding on for dear life to the ideas of when Sonic was good. But instead, it is building off of that, using the mechanics that are in the modern version of Sonic, taking settings and ideas based on classic Sonic games and ultimately creating something new with that. To me, cyberspace, those cyberspace levels are some of the high points of the game because they add such a nice change of pace from the open-ended exploration to just high-speed traditional platforming all about replayability mixed with some freaking excellent music too so those are my that's, thoughts there yeah that, that's so interesting i uh okay so are you the kind of person okay so okay let's back up a little bit so the cyberspace levels uh again kind of like traditional well again i don't know how traditional this is because i'm not a huge Sonic guy. Yeah, but traditional enough, basically. Traditional enough. Uh, but, but, but in terms of the... Um, every cyberspace level has objectives. Um, mm -hmm. uh, beat the level under a certain time limit. It, basically, you can get ranked um, on, on the cyberspace levels, right? Um, you can get an S rank through... What is it? I'm assuming E or something, right? Oh, it's D, actually. D, so S I know from D. experience. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you can, you can earn an S rank by... Uh, you know, obviously, speeding through the level as fast as possible. Um, the game also has, or every cyberspace level also has five red rings to collect. Uh, so you can earn, you know, if you, if you collect all the five red rings, that's really good. Um, you can try to beat the level by collecting a certain number of golden rings. Um, 
what's the fourth objective, Campbell? There's always a fourth one. Yeah, there's always a fourth one. So it's completed under a certain amount of time. Collect the five red rings, or the five red rings. Collect a certain number of rings, and then, oh my God, why am I blanking? Out? Is it just beat the level? <laughs> oh, is so be an S rank time, rings, certain number of rings. Oh my gosh. The point is, there's yeah. there's there's a bunch of objectives to earn on every level. Um, are you the kind of person who will like? try to get every objective on a level or you just like play a cyberspace level once and move on oh i've gotten s rank on every one of them all four all oh, five wow. uh awards on every single level because i love these levels so much wow, okay they're a lot of fun and i find them extremely addictive both with the music and just how they really focus on high speed gameplay for the most part at least um they're not too challenging to get all the objectives on them so i whenever i finish it i take one pass through it see whatever objectives i complete and then i just keep going until i get everything because you get a key for each objective you complete and those keys can be used to unlock chaos emeralds around whatever island you're on so it definitely incentivizes you to get as many of those objectives as possible while you're playing a cyberspace level i do it just because i think it's really fun <laughs> Yeah. Are Chaos um, Emeralds not, like, part of the plot? The, oh, they are a major oh, part of the plot. Oh, Mark. Oh, oh Mark. Oh, so these Mark. are, like, the, these are, like, um, you have to do these levels, you're you, saying. Well, you, well, you kind of, you really should. You technically don't have to because you can find those keys out in the open. It'll probably just take you a really, really long time to get those keys. <laughs> The best way to get the keys that you need to unlock the Chaos Emeralds, which you need for progression through the story, is to play the cyberspace levels. Gotcha. And you need those Chaos Emeralds because, okay, the main thing that you see now all the trailers for Song Frontiers are these giant titan bosses, these Shadow of the Colossus-style monsters that you have to fight. There's one giant titan for each island, and normal Sonic just gets absolutely walloped if you try to fight one of those titans on your own what you need is a chaos emeralds to become supersonic so for the first island you got to unlock all the chaos emeralds that are you know mysteriously hidden around the island right so you gotta get the chaos emeralds typically you do it by unlocking them at shrines or you can also unlock some of them by doing these wonderfully annoying mini games for whatever npc is associated with the island whether it's you know amy or some other character and once you get those Chaos Emeralds, you can become supersonic and fight that boss. So that's how Chaos Emeralds play into the plot here. And that's really um, how it fits into the wider gameplay loop, too. Explore the island, get to those portals to get into cyberspace, get the keys. And another major part of it is talking to whatever NPC you have associated with the island. So for the first level, that's Amy. Right. She's in cyberspace. She's in this weird half in the real world, half in cyberspace form. You have to find these, I think they're called memory tokens um, or memory something or other uh, throughout the island to unlock her memories and get more story beats with her. And then the more you talk to talk to Amy, you know, she'll lead you to different mini games to get those Chaos Emeralds. So they all play together and then you can fight this epic boss as Supersonic. And that's that's how it all works. And those boss battles, I should just say, are extraordinary. Like they're some of the best parts of this game, honestly. Like I would love to try this game, mm -hmm. but there's just one problem. Yes, sir. The price crashed so fast. 
yep. that now I have to wait until it's like five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's I, so funny. I'm telling you, though, like, I, listen, listen, listen. If you're a game that came out one week and the next you were already down less than half the price, I think it's a sign that I should wait. <laughs> Maybe, but I'll just say this: uh, I paid thirty-five bucks for the Sonic Frontiers on PS5, and like this is the best thirty-five bucks I've spent in a while. You know, it's gotcha. yeah, a okay. lot of fun. Very That's much a good worth sign, the price, for sure, for sure. I mean, I can totally understand. I can't even imagine how fall, how fast the price is going to fall after yeah. this. Yeah, for Black Friday, I had it in my cart for twenty-nine dollars. Oh, nice! Oh, that's and a pretty good deal too. I was trying to I was trying to pick up three games, and I was like, "What should I get?" And then I was like, "Okay, am I really going to buy Sonic over Ratchet and Clank, oh. Returnal, Stray?" <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> like, it was kind of, yeah, it was kind of one of those. That was the closest I've come to purchasing a Sonic game in God knows what. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's Mark, the sign of Honestly, yeah. though, Mark, I, I really think you would like this game. Same here. Probably. Um, I, I like, just, you know, we're going to talk about it later, but Lunastus made me actually, like, want to oh, play yes. this game. Just, like, sitting down and mm-hmm. playing that for an hour. Which, yeah. you know, we'll talk about that after. But, yeah. um... Yeah, this game has interested me because it's such a, a weird concept and mm-hmm. such like a new direction for Sonic that it intrigues me. But at the same time, it's like there's so many good games. Like we always talk about backlog, you know, it's a problem. Oh, like God, Dragon Quest, don't. Judgment. Like mm-hmm. I still, yeah. I still haven't finished the last boss of Luigi's Mansion Three. I still haven't. <laughs> you done never it. will, man. Like, I know. You've been talking about I'm that. that as long I'm as at the finals. I'm at the doorstep. The, the, the king, the king Boo is some is some BS. That's a terrible boss fight. <laughs> I think. Um, I'll, I'll do it one day if I can remember the controls. I'll probably end up sitting down, starting that game from scratch and beating it, but. Yeah, it's just, I I always, I don't know, I've been burnt out on Sonic too many times, yeah. you know? Looking it's at like, Mark, look at been... the last the last 10 years of Sonic, I know there can always be a redemption for mm-hmm. a franchise, and it sounds like this this is probably it, and I'll, I'll probably end up picking it up eventually, but like, you remember Sonic Lost World? <laughs> no, and it's best that you don't remember that, honestly. It's like the most forgettable Sonic game out there. But look, yeah. Mark, I have been burned out on Sonic my, literally my entire life. <laughs> you know? One yeah. of my earliest memories is seeing my brother play Sonic Adventure 2 on the GameCube. And, like, I love this series. And for my whole life, it's just been a series of constant disappointments from the blue blur. <laughs> so finally seeing a game that... It's not perfect, and I know we keep alluding to all the issues with the game, mm. but there are issues with it. It's certainly not perfect, but it's the closest it's come to really just refining mm-hmm. the formula. And, like, again, I gotta talk about those boss battles, though, because this is, like, the best Supersonic has ever been. This is everything you could ever want out of a boss battle in Sonic, both with the music is heavy metal, insane, it just gets you pumped immediately. The gameplay is, makes you feel so powerful while also playing the time limit on you. You know, your rings are draining, so you got to find a clever way to beat the boss. And it feels like you're fighting a final boss, even if you're fighting just the first big boss. It's really just this excellent, excellent moment in the game. So, like, there's so much that the game does right that uh, previous games have failed at. It's really... Really remarkable. So if you're a Sonic fan who's been maybe burnt out, like most of us on the podcast have been on the on previous Sonic games, you know, this is probably the best place to jump back on, at least from a 3D perspective. If you want a 2D game, I mean, you know, play Sonic Mania. It's amazing. But for a 3D game, 
I don't the Frontiers is just it's amazing. It's really yeah. amazing. You think this will make our uh, stocking stuffers list? Oh, for sure, because it'll be like <laughs> ten bucks by the time we do that. <laughs> Oh, uh, that's, that's coming right, up Campbell. in like two, three weeks. Well, I'm so telling the tricky you, man. part. So, like, listen, I'll be honest. I, uh, I, I borrowed Sonic Frontiers from a friend. I, I didn't. I only, I only played it for a few hours. I would, I would throw down for the Switch version, if only to see like what it plays like on the Switch. If this game had another huge sale anytime soon on the Switch, I would, I would probably purchase it. Yeah. Um, yeah same here. Yeah, I mean, again, I guess we could save that conversation for, for, for closer to, uh, you know, holiday time, but... Uh, yeah, It's too much to play, even though I just paid, you know, $60 for Pokemon, and the game is, you know, again, another f- game that's probably a lot of fun, but it's like, is it a technical mess? Yes. And was it worth $60? I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, it's like, if I was willing to drop 60 on that, mm-hmm. 29 for Sonic is is not bad that's exactly and mark i think this is you bring up a really great point because like when sonic frontiers came out and the reviews came out there was people trashed on the game's technical performance and don't get me wrong the game has technical problems there is ridiculous popping in this game like entire platforms levels rails all this really important stuff to navigating a level will just pop in directly in front of you which can be really jarring and you know reviews trashed that but then we got pokemon scarlet and violet <laughs> and that game is just a mess it's a mess it makes yeah. frontiers look like a technical masterpiece by comparison you know so like it's very very weird that a game that is as incomplete it just blah as scarlet and violet from a technical perspective can well, still be I, 60 I think, bucks as and i think the difference you know? uh, one thing it's funny i uh, okay listen here's a it's a little behind the scenes uh, note for you guys here. Um, I don't know how when you guys record what you're all doing, uh, but I definitely like I have like Reddit open, I have Twitter Twitter open just to, to see if anything crazy happens. And as we were speaking, I scrolled past a a Sonic Frontiers uh, update post. So they they got a patch just like today uh, that fixed some 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 stuff, some issues, some bugs, and some frame rate stuff. And you know that Scarlet and Violet is not getting those kinds of updates. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, I think that's oh, yeah. kind of a difference between these two titles. It's like, yes, uh, Sonic Frontiers, it's got it's got its issues. It's, pop-in is crazy. Like, there's there's all kinds of bugs. Scar- Scarlet and Violet, we went over that extensively. But at least on the Sonic Frontiers side, you know that Sega and Sonic Team are, are working to fix it as, you know, because they do care about the Sonic brand. Um, whereas Game Freak, I, I would be shocked if we got more than a couple of patches here and there. Um, yeah, they're at least that's my opinion. I don't know. In terms of uh, getting things fixed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll, see, we'll see how it goes. I, I'm interested in picking up Sonic, but again, it's like... It sounds good. It sounds promising. Best of all, like it sounds fun. That's the most important aspect of it all. But it's just hard, man. It's like you got to look at all the other Sonic releases. I mean, Sonic Forces, you know, what's the one I'm thinking of? Sonic Boom. It's like all these games are just constant. It's a fucking dumpster fire, man. I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, it's, it's tough it's stuff. It's a mess. Um, it's just a mess. It's like I want I want a good Sonic game, but will this be part of the Sonic cycle? I don't know. I'd like to try uh, it, but again, you know, 
I, I gotta wait for that price to drop even further. Campbell, I think you you had mentioned earlier how much you enjoyed the the kind of. Uh, unusual, not unusual, but the sort of unconventional storytelling that Sonic Frontiers employs. Uh, do you want to speak to that a little bit more? Absolutely. The best way I could describe the storytelling in Sonic Frontiers, especially as opposed to the storytelling in previous Sonic games, is that it feels like it's been written by someone who genuinely cares about the Sonic characters and the Sonic lore. In previous games, Characters were mostly caricatures based on whatever their defining personality trait was, right? Knuckles is just a big aggressive idiot, Tails is super smart and kind of a nerd. But in Sonic Frontiers, you really start to get more sides of each character. By no means is this like a super deep story, but you start to talk about characters' insecurities, their doubts, and how they relate to Sonic, what their friendship with Sonic means, and what the situation in the story means to them, what the events, what the weird stuff going on with cyberspace really means to them. And there are some really fascinating implications for the wider Sonic lore that are revealed throughout the story. Like, as much as we've been bashing the wonderful little Coco uh, they are revealed to have some really, really intriguing implications for Sonic lore. And, you know, I haven't finished the game just yet, so I'll have to see where it goes. But there are little tidbits sprinkled throughout that are really, really exciting to me. The story really focuses on those character interactions. You don't have a lot by way of big cinematic cutscenes and epic story beats. Rather, the story focuses mostly on Sonic just exploring the world openly and then encountering an NPC every now and again and having a conversation with Tails or Knuckles or Amy or whoever and learning a bit more about them. And I think that approach to storytelling, while not the most exciting out there, is really a treat for Sonic fans. And it's a great step forward for Sonic storytelling as well. It's it's good. It's like, I, I can't like completely agree with you. Like so, so many of the, so I love the Sonic characters. Like to be clear, I think all the character designs are, are very striking. They're all very iconic. I deeply love all of the Sonic characters. I think they're all special in their own way. But the way that this Sonic Frontiers gives all of them <laughs> like a weird amount of depth um, <laughs> is very striking. Um, like, I don't know. I, I've always thought Knuckles is like cool and like a fun character, but this game actually like, gives some weight to his and Sonic's rivalry. I think it's very cool. Um, even Eggman himself mm -hmm. actually has like a character arc in this game, which is extremely funny. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's good. I can't believe I agree with you. I think, I think the storytelling, even though it's, it's very expository, it's, it's very much like you play the game, you watch a cutscene. you play the game, you watch a cutscene. There's, there's not a lot of like, uh, like storytelling through, through gameplay there's that's mm -hmm. just not right in sonic's wheelhouse i would say no uh but it's it's good it's effective the writing for this game is 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 pretty good oh i, I guess it's worth mentioning uh the one of the writers on this game was uh what's his ian name ian flynn. flynn who yeah so oh, please do you want do you want to talk about ian flynn for a second yeah for sure he's the writer behind some of the sonic comics uh which have been noted for just being one of the best parts of the sonic why your sonic franchise honestly in terms of storytelling like he takes the sonic world seriously and adds genuine depth and dimensions to each character and fleshes out the sonic world and you can definitely see that approach taken here with with sonic frontiers like i said it sounds like somebody who really loves these characters and these stories 
Hayes wrote this game. You can definitely yeah. see that. Uh, and I just got to call out one of my favorite bits of a cutscene. I don't know if you've seen this yet, Cameron, but there's one bit where Sonic and Knuckles are talking, and they're talking about events that occurred in Sonic 3, and it literally flashes back to a Genesis screenshot of Sonic 3 and Knuckles. <laughs> oh, and it's like, remember yes. that time in Sky Sanctuary? And it flashes back to the Genesis screenshot and then back to Sonic so Frontiers. Funny. And I was like, I love this so much. Well, and it's and it's done, compl- like, it's worth saying, that is, is it's completely straight face. Yes, it You know is. what I mean? Like, it's, it's played, it takes itself very it's seriously. It's so serious. Which, right? It's very much like, ah, oh, yes, like that battle we had. It's like... And I like, love that about exact, Sonic. Exactly. Like, no sense of... Exactly. Yeah. No, no. It's not ironic. It's like it's very. It's taking itself extremely seriously, which, yeah. which kind of makes it way more fun. It's, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's, it works for me. It's, it's it uh, definitely mm-hmm. works, and that's it's what I fun. missed about 3D Sonic from like Sonic Adventure One and Two, because you know that when people were when Sega was making Sonic Adventure One and Two, they knew they were making the coolest shit known to man at that time. You know, mm. they were like, "This is the coolest game ever made. We've got this hard rock music going on. There's robots. There's explosions. There's violence. All this kind of stuff." I feel like Sonic Frontiers really goes for that vibe again, both with the really serious straight face storytelling and yeah. with I'm gonna get to it now, the music, which is just Is Crush Forty in it? I don't think Crush Forty is in it, unfortunately. Damn. But they did have a a metal group in it, um, or a metal singer. I don't remember their name off the top of my head, so let me look. They should just bring back Crush Forty. They really should, but what I will say is that um the people that they brought in to sing all the heavy metal songs for the boss battles and the epic battles and fights in this game, it's extraordinary. Like, I was talking about the boss battles earlier. Heavy metal kicks in. There is screaming. Guitars are going crazy. You're thrashing your head while you're playing this game. It is just so, so epic. It's yeah. everything that I think players who love the Crush 4D scenes and moments in classic uh, 3D Sonic games... You know, you will be right at home with how it feels here. And the rest of the soundtrack is excellent, too. Every single cyberspace level has its own EDM track. There is not a single repeated song throughout all of the cyberspace levels. And there are dozens of them. Each one has a completely unique beat. And it's not like they're remixing classic Sonic tunes. For the most part, they're completely original, as far as I'm aware. And they're excellent. All of them. They're like a great background track. Like, there's this huge... Uh, YouTube playlist of all the cyberspace <laughs> themes, and it's great to have on in the background, whether you're working out or uh, working or anything like that. Hmm. The music for that is excellent. Alongside that, for the open world, you have very much Breath of the Wild style, ambient, piano or orchestral music, which, you know, it's not as exciting as the rock or the EDM, but it gets a job done and it very nicely complements uh, the, the flow of exploration, I think. I think something that... Uh... I think, uh, I don't know if you want to call this a failure of marketing or, or, or what, but I think what was showcased over the summer oh, in yeah. the IGN... Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. In, the, in the IGN videos, it, you know, <laughs> we're coming for you, IGN. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> like, the, the, the way that those videos were presented, it, it, made, it really did make it seem as though all of the music in the overworld was very minimal. And I, I think that's that's it's just it's just not true. Uh, there no. are there is an overworld theme. It's really really good. Mm-hmm. Um, the the background music for for the 
all of Sonic Frontiers, I think, yeah, whatever island you're on, is it's just good. It is, um, yeah. Especially, like, it's not playing... Oh, go sorry, ahead, go, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that. In that IGN video, there's a scene where it shows Sonic fighting Asura, which is one of the first big mini-bosses in the game. And in that IGN video, there is no boss music for that fight. And when you actually yes. play the game, there is a big, epic, uh, heavy synth boss theme when you fight Asura. <laughs> like, and it changes the vibe insanely it makes it feel like an actual epic battle rather than just nice tinkly little piano in the background so i'm right there with you that those early videos definitely gave the wrong impression of the game anyway yeah i i i know that that, that was was it it's just uh this more or less I, i i don't know i don't want to say that they did a disservice like obviously you know sega agreed to to show the game in that state so it's not like it's not like they did anything wrong but uh, but I I was a little bit surprised once I actually started playing the game that like oh they, they I don't know I think those videos didn't didn't do a great job of showcasing what what makes uh, Sonic Frontiers very fun and uh, and interesting. Um, so we talked a little okay let's see we talked about the storytelling we talked about the gameplay we talked about the epic epic music. Um, Campbell, any any final thoughts about Sonic Frontiers? Um, again, t- to be clear, anybody listening, neither of us have beaten the game. Like who knows? Maybe it gets terrible in its last <laughs> third or whatever. Like who knows? But uh, but I think we can we can all agree that uh, it defied our expectations and mm-hmm. is in fact very very fun and addictive. Absolutely. Uh, whether it's able to stick that landing through the entire play playtime experience, like remains to be seen. But I think as it stands. Uh, it's certainly a, a leg up from a lot of other Sonic games. Mm-hmm. I 100% agree with that. And I just want to close by saying, dear Sega, I would like to formally apologize for all the times we bashed this game leading up to release. I went hard on this game and it, I thought it would be terrible, but you, it absolutely defied my expectations. And I'll reiterate that if you're a lapped Sonic fan, if Sonic has broken your trust in the past, right? If it's disappointed you, Sonic Frontiers goes a long way towards really capturing the essence of what can make 3D Sonic great. You know, the classic 2D Sonic games were built all around exploration and discovery, going as fast as possible. And 3D Sonic games never really could capture that, whether with the boost formula or with the adventure style gameplay loop. But Sonic Frontiers finally goes towards uh, uh, capturing that and representing that. It's so addictive. It's so fun. Certainly not perfect, but it's some of the most fun I've had in the game all year. I really, if you're a Sonic fan, whether passionate about it or on the fence, it gets a really strong recommendation from me. It's really okay. great. I'll have to determine if it breaks the Sonic cycle. Oh, <laughs> Maybe you should you should say for Sonic Frontiers whether it breaks the Sonic side loop. But mm-hmm. there you go. Uh, <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, all right, so we're going we're gonna to wrap it there with Sonic Frontiers. Uh, maybe take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk about a, a Sonic-adjacent game uh, that Mark has been playing. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back.
and we are back. So, Mark, uh, Campbell and I have been ranting and raving about Sonic Frontiers, mm-hmm. uh, and you've been playing a game that uh, we said before we started recording how much this game reminded you of Sonic uh, Lunistus, an indie game. Yes. Oh, boy. I, I, don't, I don't know the developer's off the top of my head uh, uh, a grumpy fox and the guy's <laughs> name is dennis it was made by one guy hell yeah um a grumpy fox shout outs to dennis uh mark tell us a little bit about lunistus uh yeah so lunistus is a platformer set uh it takes place inside of a simulation in the year like 20 like 2456 or something like that the the story really isn't important what is important is that you play as a tanuki named hana and your goal is to literally go through level to level and this this game's only five dollars on switch and it is like the tightest platformer like one of the tightest on the entire system like i cannot believe for an indie game how well done the platforming is in this game you have two simple moves which is just jumping and then you can do like a spin attack and the game's heavily inspired by the ps1 and ps2 era stuff from sega and I guess also the the Dreamcast too, but it's I was gonna very. Say, I got to interrupt you, Mark. Yeah. I was gonna say like, uh, like basically, yeah, okay, basically yeah. the very, Dreamcast. Very Dreamcast vibes. Yes. It's very, very, it's very Nights into Dreams and um, yeah. the, the first two Sonic Adventure games. And Wonder what's World weird about is... it, yeah, <laughs> of course, mm-hmm. not true, not true. Mm-hmm. The only hopefully Dennis isn't in prison for illegal stock trading. You know, <laughs> hopefully that's oh, not geez. going on with him. Oh man. But Ooh, this uh, game is, soon. it's so interesting. It's like, it's supposed to look like a 32-bit platformer. So it kind of has like that early Rayman, Bubsy, like, or is it called Bugsy? But Bubsy, right? Uh, Bubsy, Bubsy. It's Bubsy, Bubsy, yeah. It has like that Bubsy look to it. But the, the color palette and the way that the worlds look are like also like really charming. And it's just like, it's so simple. And this guy tried to make it in like 30 days. That was his goal with the project. The credits has like a nice message from him why the game is short and why he made certain decisions, which is, you know, a super nice touch. But it's just, for again, for like, for a $5 game, like everyone should buy this game on Switch. It's it's a great hour. uh, Right now. (laughs) It's it's so good. It's only... Um, so how it's structured is each level is literally, it's divided into two acts, but there's like a single stage. I think it has eight stages, so technically 16 in the entire game. And each one, what you're doing is you're collecting like these paper birds, which are cranes. And there's like a bunch of collectibles. Each level has like a certain amount. And then you're going around and sort of like Donkey Kong Country, how they have like the letters, you like collect the letters. And then the other thing is when you get to the end of a level, you get a rank just like Sonic. And it's the same exact structure with the D to S ranking. And the, the more you have to reset, the lower your rank will get. And the longer you take or the less collectibles you get, your rank will slowly dwindle. So the highest you can get is an S. It's honestly a very relaxing platformer. It's really not that difficult, but it's one of those things where you have to be like so like in the moment that you could just like zip around everywhere. And I can imagine for like speedrunners, this game would be an absolute blast. Just the whole game is just, it's fun from beginning to end and it's only like an hour and a half long. So just yeah. really well done all around. The attack, again, there's only one attack. You just spin around in a circle. Hana has like this, uh, it's like an orb that follows her around. But when she does a spin, it literally looks like a spin with like a line that goes around her. 
it, it's all super simplistic and harkens back to the early 3D platformers, but it's like if an early 3D platformer had the control aspects of today. Mm-hmm. And it's just, again, for one guy who made this game, like every other indie developer and every AAA developer that has been making platformer games recently, the fact that they cannot get to this same level shows that they need this guy. This guy is like a great coder. Everything he did, his decisions, it feels so good to just play. It's like when Mario Odyssey, when you just run around and it's so enjoyable, same thing for this game. It's the same exact. Yeah, it's, uh, I just want to shout out, we, we did have the, we did have Dennis on um, for, uh, when I say we, I'm, I'm not referring to an express, I apologize, <laughs> uh, uh, with, uh, with IndieLand, with, uh, with TOVG, uh, the completionist's uh, company, we did have Dennis on for the IndieLand charity stream, and he seems super nice, super chill, like you can tell that he's extremely passionate about game design, and just wanted to make something enjoyable and fun and memorable, and I, I think that's very evident that he managed to do that. Um, it's it's a blast. Um, I, I, I bought it on Switch as we were speaking, Mark, and I, I can't wait to play it um, in handheld mode. I've, I've only experienced it on Steam, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm excited to uh, to check it out on Switch. And this runs um, at like a solid 60. Never I was about drops. to ask you, how, what's the, what's the performance like? That's yeah, great. The, the performance is as solid as you can get. It's literally running at 1080, 60 the entire time, or 720, wow. 60 if you're in you know handheld mode. It's perfect. Yeah. There's literally not, I didn't come across a single bug while I was playing it, just having a blast the whole way through. It was just, everything about it was perfect. For, considering this guy made this in like over a month, extremely impressive. It's just like, I, I have to follow him to see what else he'll do. Because yeah, if this is, again, if this is a 30 day project, I can't imagine what this guy can accomplish in like a year. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's very not 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 shocking, but it's it's like it's pretty freaking cool. Like it's it's you can you can tell that like wow this this person is obviously very talented. Um, it's uh it's very exciting. Um, I I just gave him the follow over on over on Twitter just because like I, I agree with you, Mark. I, I want to see what else uh, what else He's they can come to. up with. You mm-hmm. know, yeah, I want to see what else they what else they can do. Um. The only thing that's a shame with this game is they set up this premise at the beginning and they never go back to it. Like, I don't understand. Maybe, like, I missed something. I don't think I did. But I kind of don't get why the game is, like, a simulation or something like that or what was the point of the opening monologue. But maybe there's, like, something deeper to it that I just missed. Yeah, I mean, I think this is one of those games. It's you know, it's 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 very very. It's as indie as you can get. Like literally mm-hmm. one person. So it's like I imagine story was was less of a priority than oh a hundred percent. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I would say you know maybe Lunistus Two will uh, will follow up on the <laughs> on the plot uh, or <laughs> you know lay things out a little more clearly. Who knows? Um, that's awesome. What what a what a what a wonderful what a what an unexpected delight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, Lunistus five dollars. Five bucks. I had no idea it was five five bucks bucks. on on Switch. That rules. Cheapest, Um, best game you could buy on Switch. I was going to say, I I always assume, like, whenever that comes to Switch, that it's going to be, you know, like, like baseline to me is, like, 15. But, yeah, for five bucks, that's that's a steal. Mm -hmm. Um, Just use your gold points on it. (laughs) That's that's what I did, baby. Um... Not bad at all. Well, anything else we want to shout out, my my, my friends, before we we call it a night? This is what Sonic should have (laughs) been... 
Bam. Got him. That's <laughs> um, what it should have been on the, you know, for just the production value of the whole thing. It's it's yeah. just, you know, for, again, one guy. It's like, how did he do this? Yeah. Well, it's, it's that thing of, uh, like, obviously indie developers are, are inspired by, you know, the games of their youth or the, the stuff mm-hmm. that they enjoy playing. And you can tell that it's like, it's so inspired by, by you know, as you said, Dreamcast, early Sonic. Uh, and yet they, they did enough to make they it feel them. Yeah. distinct. Exactly. And then they did enough to make it feel like its own thing. You know, it's not like, okay, we're just going to recreate Sonic. It's like, no, we're going to make something, if not on par with, maybe even better than um, that, that, that style of game. So it's really quite an accomplishment, um, especially mm-hmm. for, for, for one guy. It's very incredible. Um, yeah. If this came are, out, you know, if this came out 20 years ago, it would have been the biggest thing. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. it, it feels like something that should be ported for fun to like a Dreamcast or something. Yeah, right? That Like a D-Make or something. Mm-hmm. Um, that's awesome. Um, I guess we could probably call it there. Unless there's anything else we we need to sort of shout out or celebrate, I think we got all the hits. We got Mario and Sonic in one episode. Finally, uh, that's, not that's at the Olympic good. Games. Not at the say. Olympic Games. Oh my God, guys, we got to talk about that game one of these days. The 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 Mario and Sonic <laughs> Olympic Games 2020 is is the funniest thing in the world to me. Um, I'm shocked they didn't release that, re-release it, or like rebrand it. Or it's so funny. It's I, like I it's it's almost to... like a time capsule. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I would love to see Mario and Sonic in Qatar. You know, just oh God. see how that goes. But anyway, anyway, that's that's a that's a conversation <laughs> for another time. Uh, I've been your host, Cameron Dax, and you can find some of my writing over on Goomastomp.com. I recently released recently reviewed Return to Monkey Island, a wonderful point-and-click adventure game. Uh, highly recommend. Maybe we'll talk about it on the show another time. I'm over on Twitter at ActionDaxon. Mark, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at the Mark That of course, is Mark with a C, Cal the K. You can find me over on Twitter and Instagram up on Goombastomp.com. Currently, you can find all my coverage on Pokemon. Got stuff on the old games, got stuff on the new games. Uh, there's just a lot of Pokemon stuff coming out, so you can Keep your eyes on that. As as there should be. It is the, the winter of Pokemon. Uh, Campbell, what about you? You can find my games writing at GoombaStomp.com. Keep an eye out for a new indie game spotlight that should be coming up this weekend. Uh, and if you want to follow me on social media, you can find me on Twitter at CampbellSkill, uppercase C-S-G. Nicely done. And Express is also on social media. We're on Twitter at Nintendo and available to rate, review, all that good stuff over on the podcast platform of your choice. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time.